Welcome to another Quarren stream. I am Joe Magician, and today I'll be talking instead of sort of a random topic or something I picked out from my uh, my patrons or whatever. I'm going to talk about my latest video, talking all about Storms and John Connington and Edric Storm. I was supposed to have a guest for this, uh, but you know, real life gets in the way, so uh, I'll be flying solo today. Uh, the guests will probably come back some other time to talk about this. Um, maybe someone you know, someone a little fishy. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's see what's going on in the chat. Uh, hey, Nessie, uh, Amanda, or Disputed uh, Lands and Unspun Yarn. Sorry, guys. Uh, Anime Lover Nicole, uh, Carl Karsnark, Barrel Rider. Actually, Barrel Rider, you got a question coming up that I'm going to answer. Um luminous rain you too actually artist formerly known as Vermeer foreskins what a terrible terrible pun george made on that one how dare you george um <clears throat> yeah not 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 nice don't make jokes about Vermeer foreskins george although i know you do uh so the video is titled how Aegon takes storms End." there's a link down in the description if you haven't seen it before if you want to check it out after the stream or if you're listening to this on replay or on the podcast format um yeah i can just go check it out it's awesome i will say so many thunder sound effects plus the possibility that guile from street fighter shows up and that john connington is a shadow binder exciting stuff there i know <laughs> uh to start off with i figured i'd go over what the content of the video was briefly just to refresh you guys i released it on wednesday uh so it's the basic idea is that in the winds of winter it's been revealed in an Aryan sample chapter that young griff and john Condon have succeeded in taking storms and halden halfmaster tells her this uh when she shows up to investigate if young griff is the quote-unquote real deal uh, Prince Durand is not sure, neither is she. Uh, but when we heard about this last in the Dance with Dragons, John Connington said he was going to take Storm's End, and when pressed about how he's going to do this, because nobody's done it before, um, Connington basically just says, I'm going to take it by guile, which by guile he means trickery. He's not intending to, like set up trebuchets and hurl rocks at it until it falls over. He's not going to set up a multi-year siege like everyone else tries to do. Connington has a clever, clever plan. A plan that George has not revealed yet. The in-between parts where Connington has taken Storm's End and when he says he's going to are completely off the page. We don't really know how he did it or what he did. There's not even really that many hints to it. Um, when he took Griffin's Roost uh, he essentially just used his knowledge of the castle to trick and kill a few guardsmen, and then they just walked in very easily. Um, they took it by surprise, but at this point, the surprise is kind of lost. <clears throat> um, the guesses have gone from Mathis Rowan is going to lift his siege and turn cloak, and that will inspire the storms and garrison to uh, give up the castle to Aegon. 
Um, there's also the opposite of that, where the Golden Company is going to show up and just kill the shit out of Rowan's men to make them seem like allies. And they'll be so, so grateful that they will then open the um, the gates of Storm's End to Aegon and John Connington. Um, uh, this is one that I got from Jeff or Brendan Beefish. I'm not sure if it was if this is his idea or not, but uh, he basically told me that he thought that the Golden Company was going to pretend to be the Golden Company, if that makes any sense. Um, basically, they were going to fake they have a contract with Stannis and Stannis um, sent out Justin Massey in order to hire a bunch of troops. Therefore, they'll pretend to be hired when they haven't been and they'll use that to get entrance to the castle. Um, there's also been ideas that they will essentially dress up like Stannis's men and try and do like a Trojan horse sort of thing. Where they show up pretending to be Stannis's long lost troops. Hey, it's me. Other Stannis troops. How's it going? You guys should definitely open that gate. Uh, we got sent back here by Lord Stannis. We got to do it. <laughs> um, some of those make more sense than others. Uh, but it was one of those things when I heard them and I thought about how Connington was going to do it. Actually take Storm's End that. I don't know. It, it felt like something was lacking that there was like, cause George has set it up as this mystery that he's going to do that. He set up off page and he's given us the sample chapter where he says it has worked, but not given us the method. Um, he's kind of done the same thing with uh, Stannis in the North with the battle of ice where there's a lot of setup and there's hints that there's trickery going to happen. Like the night lamp theory um, that the, what is it? The frozen lake has a bunch of holes in it and the phrase are going to fall through and die. And then they're going to like, going to take their armor or something like that and use that to trick the Boltons. It's the same kind of idea where there's something missing, um, that George is holding back for the winds of winter. Same thing here. Um, Oh, by the way, hit that like button, hit that sub button, all that other cool stuff. Um, I think what I did last time was a hundred likes. I'll put on the Gandalf hat. Let's, let's up that today. If we get to, let's say 150, I'll put on my Gandalf hat, which is right up here. If we get to 175, I'll put on the, the Gurm hat that I don't like. That is too small for my head. I let me see how many there actually are right now. That's this is one of the weird things about uh, streaming. You can't really see too much. It looks like 57. Those are rookie numbers. Let's pump those numbers up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so those are the basic possibilities. My, my video, I basically I propose that the best way to get inside Storm's End is not to assault or do anything weird or um, Try and find like, try and like Batman his way up with like hooks and crap like that to get over the walls. The best way would be how Davos got in. Uh, that is essentially to, um, oh, in deep geek is here. Hey, Robert, how's it going? Don't often see him here. Um, what was I saying? I got distracted by Robert. Um, oh yeah, the best way would be the Davos way when he showed up to the, um, so Storm's End, while Stannis was under siege, he showed the food, the garrisons saw it from their murder holes, opened the doors, and he's in. That would be the absolute best way if you want to get inside Storm's End. You have to convince the garrison to do it for you. 
Um, <laughs> and the, the key factor here is that the Storm's End garrison is not Stannis's garrison. Uh, when Stannis was negotiating with Courtney Penrose, he made the promise that Courtney, Elwood Meadows, and all of Renly's men who were there left behind to guard Edric Storm, basically in the castle, if they surrendered, they would be allowed to be reconfirmed in their positions or go home. And it appears that most of them chose the reconfirm in position. Um, so, as we saw in the Blackwater with old with Renly's ghost showing up and um, all of Renly's men going like, oh my god, it's Renly. I know he's dead, but he's alive. Quick, kill Stannis's men. I'm proposing basically the same thing's going to happen. They're going to, the the Golden Company, Varys, Illyrio, uh, Lysono, Mar, Connington will essentially have retrieved Edric Storm from Lys when he was sent away and use him as the key to open the garrison to get essentially get them to mutiny against uh, Gilbert Faring and... There you go. Storm's End is yours. You don't have to fight a battle. It, it's trickery. It's taking it by guile. And it works, especially because the, the Golden Company needs to take Storm's End. They need to finish this conquest of the Stormlands really quickly to get uh, forward momentum for themselves going. They need to convince the other lords that they're not messing around. They're not going to knock over just the Estermont home and take back Griffin's Roost and be like, aha, we're going to now we're a serious threat. It's like, no, if you take the Stormlands and get the the um, the support of most of the lords who are still there through Edric Storm, suddenly your little rebellion is not so little anymore. This is essentially mimicking the strength that Robert had at the beginning. And maybe you can make some alliances. Maybe you can get some friends in the reach to show up. And with the Lannisters being kind of screwed over. Um, and Cersei burning bridges left and right, there's much more of a chance that you can build a popular movement around uh, Griff. I'm just going to call him Griff. Um, you could call him Aegon, call him Fagon, young Griff. Griff's easier. I'm just going to call him Griff because probably not actually Aegon. Um, yeah, you build a popular thing. You use Edric or Edric. People in, <laughs> people in the video comments were saying that I say everything wrong. I guess I kind of do. Um... Oh yeah, Jay Moray says the Fabergé Aegon, sure. The fake Aegon. I don't know, I've always had a problem with pronouncing things. But anyway, Griff, this would be, since their plan is the Stormlands, Edric is the key. Yeah, Mary says the ke the Keydric, sure. Who knows, Gurm pronounces everything weird anyway. You've ever heard him pronounce Brienne? He says Brian. That is wrong. There's a lot of weird ways to pronounce these names. Um, so yeah, that's the basic idea of the video. Um, got a lot of good comments and questions. Um, but before we get to that, I thought I would just do a little bit of biography on Edric Storm. Uh, because if you're basically like a show, a show watcher, and I have um, among my, my viewers and my subscribers, I have a lot of people that are... Um, that showed up during Game of Thrones season eight and largely are um, show watchers. So if you've only watched the show, you don't know who this kid is. You don't even know who I'm talking about or John Connington. Um, 
or even Griff. So essentially the story is that Varys claims he has Rhaegar's supposedly dead son, um, who Varys took to Essos and has been raising in secret, naming him young Griff. And he's been, um, he's been put under the, the wardship basically of this character named John Connington, who was a former hand of the King to King Aerys, and also Rhaegar, one of Rhaegar's best friends. Um, and the plan is essentially that Varys and the Golden Company, who we saw show up in season eight, are going to try and invade Westeros um, using the plan of. Well, they were supposed to use the Dothraki, the Dothraki and Daenerys were supposed to be a smokescreen, essentially, to um, create a crisis in Westeros that young Gr- that Griff would show up with the Golden Company, solve everyone would be so happy. He he. um he defeated those enemies and brought peace to the realm. Suddenly he's king. Um, Edric Storm is one of Robert Baratheon's uh, acknowledged bastards. In the show, they merged him with Gendry. But in the books, they are very different characters. And more importantly, Gendry is not an acknowledged bastard of Robert Baratheon. Basically, nobody knows that except for um, Ned, John Aaron. Uh, some of the Lannisters seem to know. I mean, they send the gold cloaks after him. Um, and that's kind of it until it's revealed later on in the show. Edric Storm, though, from the moment of his birth, has been acknowledged as a bastard of Robert Baratheon, a storm, basically. Um, Robert has 16 bastard children that we know about from Maggie the Frog's prophecy. Only two of them, two, are acknowledged, meaning Robert says, yes, absolutely, these kids are mine, and the whole realm knows they exist. Edric is one. Um, he was birthed to uh, Delina Florent. She's the niece to Lord Alistair Florent, and Robert, being Robert, nailed her on the night of Stannis' wedding to Solis Florent in their wedding bed. Because Robert is just that kind of guy. He, um, she was a serving woman, basically. He took her up to the marriage suite and got her pregnant there and then. And because um, Delena, Delena, whatever her name is, because she's highborn and everybody knew Robert did it because everyone was at the wedding, uh, Robert had no choice. And he said, all right, fine. That kid's mine. Um... He didn't have much contact, though, with Edric. Um, Basically, it created a problem with him and Cersei and the Lannisters in general that they were unhappy that there were um, Robert children running around. There's a story that Cersei killed uh, a couple twins in Lannisport, I think, that Robert uh, fathered. Uh, Most of the other Robert's bastards are just sort of scattered all over the place. Uh, this is actually something that Stannis held on to for the rest of his days. When he's talking about with Edric Storm, he is still angry about the fact that Robert um, essentially got to his marriage bed first with just some random girl. Classic Stannis things. Um, the other uh, acknowledged bastard is the... The girl, uh, Mia Stone, who's up in the veil. Um, 
that Robert fathered on. I I don't. We don't know Mia's mother, but everyone knows that she is Robert's. And actually, when Robert was younger, he did treat her like one of his children. Um, Ned has stories that he would seek her out, that he would play with her, that he would try and act like a father. After the whole rebellion thing happened, and Robert stopped being fostered in the veil, that kind of went away. Robert's uh, very short attention span got in the way of actually being a actually being a father to Mia, and he didn't even try with Edric. But at that point, um, the Lannister marriage had happened, so Robert was trying not to piss off his new wife and her family by flaunting it in their face that, yes, he has acknowledged children that he is treating like his real children. Um, the only contact we really hear about Robert and Edric is that Varys, this is important, Varys, um, <laughs> Varys would constantly send presents to young Edric. And he kept that relationship between Robert and Edric sort of positive because Edric thought all the presents were coming from his father when it was Varys. But it also works in the terms of trying to maybe sow dissent. It, when you look at Varys's plan where he's trying to break up the Seven Kingdoms, he's trying to unseat Robert, creating this relationship with the acknowledged bastard. When we know that the Lannisters aren't his kids, it, you can see it as a little bit more suspicious that Varys was playing the long game here, that he was like, hmm. I'm going to put a um, a pin in that old Edric Storm, Edric Storm character because he might be important in the future. Um, so Var Varys' interest in this kid was has started since he was very young. Uh, there's even a story that he sent him a bait, uh, a child size war hammer just to play up the fact that like, oh, by the way, this is what Robert's actual kids look like. Look how much he's similar to the to Robert. And he actually was extremely similar or is extremely similar. Edric looks exactly like Robert when he was little. The only difference they notice in the ears, he's got the eyes, he's got the build, he's got the personality, he's got the hair. Um, yeah, so... You can see how this would be a problem for the Lannisters, but because he was acknowledged, he was an acknowledged bastard and Varys knew he was there, uh, the Lannisters never made a, a move on him. They never tried to kill Edric as far as we know, but he was also under the protection of Renly Baratheon and the entire Storms and Garrison, which is part of part of the thing I kind of left out of the video, but is important for understanding why would they turn on Stannis? Why would they turn on... Uh, Gilbert Faring for this random kid. Well, it's because they grew up with him. They know him. This is like the this is like the Stark servants and the Bannermen that are such good friends with the Stark kids. It's the same kind of relationship. Edric was not raised with his mother. He was not raised with Robert. Um, he basically had no parents. His parents was Storm's End, the garrison itself. Um, so there's a very and you see that with Courtney Penrose, uh, you see that with um, with how they're all willing to essentially hold out against Stannis. They're like, we'll go under siege so you can't have this kid because Stannis does make the offer. He makes the perfectly reasonable offers where he's like, listen, you guys aren't traitors as long as you hand him over, hand over Storm's End and the kid. You guys can 
go about your lives. You can go back to your homes or you can stay here. I will. I won't hang you all for keeping Edric Storm from me. And they, the garrison and Courtney Penrose say no. It that is a really good offer. Most people would take it, but they don't take it because they fear that Stannis is going to kill Edric or do something worse to him. Especially after you know <clears throat> the old kin slaying that uh, that Stannis got up to recently. Um, let's see here. Yeah, the florent ears are kind of fox white. I guess they're like kind of pointy or something like that. Hmm. Hey, hey, let's see who's in the chat. A woman beyond the wall. Hello. Uh, more lead just showed up. Um, hey, more. How old is Edric? Uh, he's like Arya's age, more or less. Maybe a little older. Hang on, let me let me do check this. He was born in two eighty seven. So, oh, so he's like twelve or thirteen. Um ripe for a uh, growth spurt though since he's been uh overseas in lists when he comes back he may look a lot more like robert than he did before i mean he still looks like a kid basically um <laughs> Danny mckay how's it going yeah, so that's that's the basic idea. There's this really strong connection between Edric and Storm's End and the garrison, and not so much with Gilbert Faring, the handpicked lackey that that Stannis left in charge. Um, all these guys still remember Edric. They still remember Renly. They grew up with them. They helped raise them. Whereas Stannis, not so much. He just sort of complained long and long and hard that. He should be the owner of Storm's End, but he doesn't have the connection with them. So when you're talking about who might hand over the castle, well, these are the guys. <laughs> this is exactly who might do it. And Varys is probably very aware of that. Hey, Muhammad, how's it going? Um, let's just grab a question here. Uh, Abdallah Awad says, Hey man, I have a question. What if Aegon is truly a son of Rhaegar and what do you think will happen to him? I don't think Aegon or Griff is the true son of Rhaegar. Um, I tend to believe in the Aegon Blackfire idea that, um, cause you know, I mean, I, people consider them different families, but they're not, they're the same family. It's Blackfire Targaryen. It's the same thing. Um, and Varys and Illyrio, their plan seems to be more about using the Golden Company in order to essentially destabilize the Westerosi uh, nobles and install kind of a newer system, or at least a, a more quality ruler that uh, Robert and Ares have essentially broken. Um. What the what the kingship's supposed to be, or or kind of continuing misrule. Oh, hey, gray area, how's it going? When did I give you a mod ship? I guess I did. Um, and in that sense, I don't think it really matters one way or another. Um, if he is Rhaegar's real child, um, th this is sort of the problem that people talked about in the comments after my video, and. Um, 
there's a there's the looming Daenerys thing where uh, she has the three dragons and uh, Griff, if he's Aegon Targaryen or Aegon Blackfire or just Griff, and that's his real name, who knows? Um, he's going to run into the fact that dragons are more important than claims, you know, the bigger army diplomacy idea. Uh, it's very likely that Griff will well, he has taken the Stormlands at this point. He'll probably have some success in King's Landing. He may even take it. He may even be crowned king briefly before maybe some wildfire goes off or Daenerys shows up and is unhappy to see somebody else sitting in the throne that she thinks is his. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Rod, damn it. Why is Joe Magician not in a hat? 150 likes. I will put on that hat. Uh, gray area you didn't take my wrench you usurped at how Baratheon of you mm-hmm <clears throat> oh hey uh, Alicia Kingston Lady Diligence how's it going oh yeah so uh, I'm just gonna uh, take some questions that I uh, I wrote down beforehand. I'll take them from the chat as we're going. Uh, that was basically the end of my scripted content. That was basically as much as I had planned out. So this is going to be sort of more of a back and forth sort of thing. Uh, so the first one here is from one of my patrons, Eric F. He says, um, how does this timing work with Ariane Martell? It's really interesting, personally, that George chose Ariane as a sample chapter specifically to reveal that um that this plan has worked he didn't put it in the um dance of dragons uh epilogue i re i think i remember there was supposed to be another connington pov in a dance of dragons that got pushed off that's almost assuredly where we will see the um the the actual taking of Storm's End, whatever kind of guile or trickery Connington has set up. Um, but Aryan is very important and the Dornish for the Griff plotline because there is a tension that's now built into the story between uh, Aryan, Doran, and the two Targaryens. Well, the one Targaryen and whatever the hell Griff is. And it's Quentin Martell that Quentin has died. He was trying to steal uh, one of Danny's dragons and failed, burned alive, next level dead. Um, <laughs> and he was trying to enforce this pact that was made between the Martells for Ariane to marry Viserys. And Quentin tried to be like, well, if it's for two of them, if it was for Viserys and Ariane, well, surely it would work for me and you. And Danny's like, mm, not so much. Uh, also, you're super late. Um, so there's the tension there that. Um, that as Ariane is investigating Aegon, legitimate or not, wh whoever he actually is, whoever Griff actually is, this isn't come on the heels that Duran and Ariane are probably going to learn that Quentin is dead and that um, it was after he failed to secure the marriage with Danny and get her dragon. Um, so it's very likely that even though Daenerys is most likely the true born heir, uh, as, since nobody knows about Jon Snow, um, and the deal should be with her and um, 
maybe Tristane at this point, the the Dornish are probably going to throw their support behind the Golden Company, Varys and Griff, just be maybe out of anger at this point because that seems to fuel quite a lot of what's going on with Duran. Um. So yeah, it, especially, I mean, the idea of what happened to um, Elia Martell has really fueled 15 years of foreign policy for the Dornish. Another Dornish member of the royal family dying like this is very much not going <laughs> to endear Danny to them, unfortunately, even though by all sorts of by all sorts of logic, like Duran should find a way once he knows that Danny's coming to Westeros to make that alliance. But Quentin is probably going to be the sticking point that drives him towards um, him and Arianne towards Griff, basically. And that will be important as they're trying to, especially when we're talking about Daenerys trying to find allies. Well, you'd think the Dornish were the natural ones. They have that pact. Arianne too. Um, but with Quentin dead, Tristane supposed to be married to um, Marcella Baratheon or Lannister, I guess. And Griff being the obvious marriage pact with Varian, you can see how essentially this is going to shift the way it shouldn't. Um, that it's going to go badly for the Dornish with uh, Danny. Yeah, uh, essentially, Danny's going to be um, portrayed from the Dornish side essentially as a villain for kind of doing nothing wrong. Like qu nobody made Quentin run down into the into the the Pyramid of Marine, try and steal a dragon, and get himself burned alive with the wind blown. He showed up after Danny was already married, and the pact wasn't even really for her; it was for Viserys and Arianne. So. She's going to she's going to I think she's going to end up in the doghouse of the Dornish for no good reason. Uh, let's see here. Question oh, from Gray Area. Do you think the ancient magic of storms that will have an effect on the dragons or the others or has a spell f or has the spellforge magic of storms and already served its purpose? Um, so this is a, this is a good question in terms of. What is the relationship between Storm's End and the other Bran the Builder style places? For instance, um, we know Bran supposedly built five places. Winterfell, The Wall, Old Town, Storm's End. Oh, no, four. I'm sorry. Um, we know The Wall is magical, um, that it, somehow it keeps the dead from passing through. Um, that magic seems to be replicated by Blood Raven's cave where the undead can also not get through. So I would guess that Storm's End also has some sort of barrier against the undead and the others passing through it, that maybe they can't breach the walls. That's sort of the idea behind Melisandre, where she couldn't send the Shadow Baby until she was underneath the walls specifically. Even that the barrier around Storm's End, whatever it is, goes beneath the walls into the ground. Like maybe it's like some sort of sphere around it. Um, I don't know if it will have effect on dragons. Dragons have been to Storm's End before. Uh, we know in Fire and Blood, there's the story of, was it Prince Lucerys and Amond? I think? Um, Amond One-Eye, where... They essentially have a race out of Storm's End, and I think it's Lucerys that dies to Vagar and Aemond. Um, 
Yeah, there there have been dragons there before. They don't seem to have any problem with the place. I think it's specifically the 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 barriers have something to do with magical constructs or beings or something like that. Uh, yeah, Nessie, Vagar flew inside the walls during the dance. Yeah, that's right. The, they have been they've been inside Storm's End quite a lot. I don't think it would have anything to do with. They've never shown a problem before, like they like um like they sort of did with the wall, but I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, got a uh, two hundred and five watching. Thanks everybody. Thanks for showing up for this uh this follow up Q and A. Oh Chrissy, hey, how's it going? Um, let's see here. Let's grab another question. Anders Graham asked from the chat, what do you think about Varys' speech at the end of the dance? Would Aegon actually be a good king? It feels like his speech is, his speech is hinting more at Danny, uh, John or Danny, since they experience the hardships naturally. Varys' whole plan with Griff is a really odd one because he's kind of just manufacturing... Um, he's trying to manufacture a ruler. If you look at what his plan was... Um, Griff was he's supposed to be raised in this like in these hardships he's supposed to like know the common people know what it's like to be a normal person but then he essentially lives in like a little bubble on the Roin and before that it looks like he was probably at Illyrio's manse there's talk that there was clothes there um, for Tyrion that used to be for a boy it's assumed that was Griff so he is essentially uh, grown up I, it, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's it's like a false, um, a false humility, uh, where it's not it's not genuine hardship, it's not genuine connecting with the common people because he hasn't really. Um, and it's I also find it really interesting that if you look back at what what they're putting griff through the people surrounding himself with it's essentially like Varys is trying to remake Aegon the fifth i mean uh they even have griff george even has griff wearing the same kind of straw hat that um egg wears in the in duncan egg his bodyguard is named roly duckfield who they call duck duncan duck um i think we're supposed to understand that Varys things very highly of Aegon V, which I think he should. Aegon V was undoubtedly one of the better rulers of Westeros and probably maybe the best person to ever... Um, Alysanne would have been the best person, but Aegon's way up there and he's trying to make that character come again. But you can't really... You can't fake the experiences that Egg went through where he was in legitimate danger. He lived in real poverty. He didn't have John Connington and he didn't have the, the, the infrastructure of Illyrio essentially tailing them the whole way through. Like it, it's more like a camping trip rather than actually experiencing the things that Ferris wants him to go through. So, um, So yeah, I think like uh, kind of like you said in your question, um, 
he's talking about Griff, but I think George is definitely talking about John and Danny, that those are the characters that actually experience the things that Varys wants his preferred ruler to have. And at this point, he's so invested in Griff and Illyrio very much so that, um, this might be where Varys's like cognitive dissonance comes into the story that he has Griff, the plan's working, but he's not the person he really wants. The person he really wants is probably trailing behind with her three dragons or sitting at the wall dying. Um, and that may be, I mean, the show had their, their ideas about Varys's loyalties. It didn't, it, I don't know. It didn't really track that well. The inclusion of Griff in particular and Varys's extreme interest in putting this kid on the throne is a much better um, explanation for why he won't support Danny and why even if he tries to, he may turn on her. It's, it's because of Griff rather than um, they, they kind they did a version of that when they were talking about how um, John and Danny, how John's a legitimate um, counter to Danny and that will inspire rebellions. That's 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 more fleshed out with Griff, I would say. Everyone like nobody knows John is a Targaryen, but everyone will know that Griff is supposed to be one. <clears throat> yeah, Carcross Narc. Uh, Fagon's essentially a glorified Eagle Scout when they are trying to when what they actually want is Danny and John. <laughs> he's got his merit badges. He's got, um, you know, he spent his time up in the woods camping, but he doesn't actually, he hasn't lived that life. It's essentially like a vacation for him. But, you know, they gave him an education and all these other cool things. So he's better prepared than most to try and be a ruler. It's just, he has no he has no real experience doing it. He has the experience of like he needs to go be an intern somewhere or something like that. He needs his entry level job, and instead, Varys is going to put him on the throne as king, or wants to. Uh, let me grab one from uh, Reddit. I also posted this on Reddit, by the way. If you want to read the full text, I put the link in in the description of the original video, uh, user L Chris 24. Um, he brought up the point or they brought up the point. I actually know their gender. L Chris brought up the point that, um, they said also not sure if this is, if there's anything that might help your theory, but I touched on the current situation in the step zones the other day. It could possibly at least show some other characters in the area. And that's something I kind of glossed over in the video because I was trying to, you know, keep it a little bit shorter, but the, as far as the text is concerned, um, uh, Edric has not made it to Lys. Uh, Davos thinks that he's probably somewhere in the step zones at this point. It's the appendix that said that uh, Edric has made it all the way to Lys. Um, and we, Salador Sand is in that area. There's also um, Orain Waters, the, the bastard of House Valarion, uh, setting himself as, as a pirate king. And um, if whatever the situation, 
Saud or Shan's organization in the um, in the Stepstones definitely knows where Edric is. They're the ones that transported him. Orain Waters also has essentially taken Cersei's fleet and ran and set himself up as a pirate. So for the Golden Company to get through both of those forces that are occupying the the step zones and also to possibly bring Edric with them, they probably had to make some kind of deal in order to do it. That um it may be from Salador Sand's crew that uh Varys and Illyrio and Lysan Omar actually learned about Edric, acquired him, and brought them with him. They but they seem to have gotten through relatively untouched. Um, it was basically only the storms that caused the Golden Company's invasion to go spray all over the Stormlands. Um, they didn't really have any problems with the pirates. So I would say that indicates that there's cooperation between the um, between the Golden Company and the people that know where Edric is already. Uh, there's also a question of where Varys is all this time. Most I think most people think that he hasn't left... The, hasn't left Westeros this whole time. Um, in the show, they have him head over to Marine, and he stands in for Illyrio with the conversation for Tyrion. I suspect he's still um, he's still in Westeros. But Illyrio, Lysone Omar, um, other members of the Golden Company, other members of Illyrio's organization, I think they could definitely track down Edric Storm, uh, especially with Salvador Sands crew and his pirate organization in the step zones in the way like it's it seems to me that that must have happened uh, <laughs> yeah and orain waters is also an interesting part of all this he's kind of thrown at the dance of dragons he builds that fleet for cersei mostly because she thinks he's cute like that's almost the entire reason he is made he is made admiral of the royal fleet. It is just attraction because she thinks he looks like Rhaegar. Later she thinks, oh, I guess he doesn't really look that much like Rhaegar. But at that point, he's already the admiral. He's already got the ships, and now he's run off with them. So, yeah, about that. Um, he's an enterprising, opportunistic person who is primed to try and make a deal with perhaps um, the Golden Company coming west because um, with his ships, he's he's definitely in a bargaining position to say, I will let you guys pass. I will help you guys, but I want a bigger part of Westeros. I want I want all of House Valarion. Maybe he wants something on like Massey's Hook. Maybe he wants something on Cracklaw Point. Um, they probably wouldn't give up Dragonstone, but he's definitely, along with Salador San, in a um a perfect position to extract promises from the golden company for his help especially since he doesn't seem to give a shit about cersei and the um and the lannister organization it would also work with like the general strategy i was talking about earlier how um i i touched on it in the video but Varys's strategy throughout all of this has been find Westerosi noble that's an Esso somehow convince them to abandon whatever they're doing to join my cause lie about that cause and then use them as weapons against the rest of the country I mean 
Griff himself is a perfect example of that. Even if he's not actually Rhaegar's son, Varys will be using his legitimization and his supposed identity as a weapon against Westeros. John Connington, who has been uh, masquerading as old Griff, another perfect example. He joined a sellsword company. They faked his death and had him reemerge as this figure. Jorah Mormont, again, uh, he was a sellsword that uh, had run away from Westeros. Varys found him, turned him to his um, to his uh, to his cause, essentially putting him in charge of Danny to make sure that she ends up in Westeros with the Dothraki. Um, so Orain Waters, Edric Storm, these are these are all the same kind of characters that Varys and Illyrio consistently target and use for their own um, use for their own purpose. Uh, Jay Moray says he probably wants to be legitimized and have House Valarion's power to be destroyed. Exactly. Uh, that is something young Griff would be perfectly in position to do. The same for Edric. Whatever whatever I said about Edric works for Orain too. They are both keys to power on the eastern side of Westeros. Um, let's see. Here we got 225 concurrent viewers. Thanks, guys. Uh, 125 likes, 150. That baby's going on. Um... Oh, uh, Maester Mary says they have thunderstorms going on now. How perfect what the storm lords were talking about. Uh, let's grab one from YouTube. Uh, this was from um, Luis Catano. Uh, Catano? Not sure how to pronounce that one. He had a couple good comments, but I really like this one. Um, they said, I just realized that Edmer Tully was used to take River Run, River Run peacefully, too. Yeah, I think that's one of the situations that uh, really uh, feeds into, um, into this idea that George has played with this idea before, that he has shown how you can break a siege in universe, that you can use these kind of turnkey figures in order to get the doors open to castles that should stay shut. Um, this also happened with the Malisters when after the Red Wedding, um, Jason Malister, I think, was taken hostage and they used that to get um, the phrase used that to get the loyalty of the Malister family. Um, essentially, they were under siege. They showed up with, I think, Jason or I forget what is I forget which one is which, but they showed up with his son and the siege ended. They gave him and they surrendered. It could be exact same situation. Um, it's the phrase that was the and the Lannisters. That was the big part of the Red Wedding. Other than killing everybody, they took specific hostages that they used to break the sieges that were coming. So, yeah, Edmure Tully with River Run uh, in the show. They they held not only Edmure hostage, but they also held his child hostage. Same thing, um, except in this case. Um, it's I don't think they would even have to threaten Edric in order to get the um, to get the storms and garrison to open the doors. They might see him and Lydia's go like, yeah, fuck Stannis. Get him out of here. Uh, see you later, Gilbert Faring. We will take Edric Storm and whoever this kid is over waiting around for Stannis to show up. Oh, that's a good call. Uh, Black Eyed Lily says, if Darkstar is like a lesser Arthur Dane, Orin is like a lesser Sea Snake. Yeah. But somebody in a position to make with power and the ability to make a deal. Um, 
So here, Voice of Geekdom. Uh, do you think Varys has other spies in Danny's camp? If so, who are the suspects? Um, let's see here. Who's still in Danny's camp? Um, hmm. I for a while people thought that um, her handmaidens may be, especially uh, what's her name? She, hang on, I'm gonna look this up. Daenerys, I get them confused sometimes. There's the Lyceni one, uh, Dorea. Yeah, Dorea is the Lyceni handmaid that was given to her by um, given to her by Varys and Illyrio. Unfortunately, she died during the Red Wastes, but um, any of her handmaidens were up for grabs. Um, it's unclear what Jorah's role is now because he's been exiled. He's now been turned into a slave outside a Marine um, in his desperation. Maybe he, I don't know. It doesn't seem like he would turn against Danny. He's so in love with her. Um, I would Varys for sure would have little birds within Marine though. I would guess that any, hmm, I would guess that anybody that is still spying on her, for Varys is connected to the Miranese. Um, she's seen, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Dario would turn cloak after he got rejected for, um, for his Dar. It's a good question though. Um, I would not assume that Danny has successfully gotten rid of, um, all the traitors in her ranks. It's her organization has gotten so big at this point and Marine's such a big city that, um, and Varys is so good at worming his way into everywhere that I would bet that there's still someone, uh, Dorea probably for a while though. Um, I, I probably not the rest, probably not the death Rocky handmaidens. They don't seem to have much connection to him. Although this is something interesting that comes up um, that I've seen people theorize that Barristan will turn on Danny in order to um, when he realizes who young Griff is that um, it, it's Barristan that has been really rethinking his loyalty to Ares the second and depending on how D Danny comes back from the Dothraki sea, if she comes back like in the show where she was talking about how she wanted to burn down uh, cities and reduce uh, Slaver's Bay to ash. It's for somebody like Barristan, he may start to see um, Griff as somebody more aligned with his beliefs or his way of uh, ruling because he, he is such a complex about Ares. He sees Ares everywhere now. Um, not that he's right. It's just Barristan the Turncloak may Turncloak again. Um, especially because his loyalty to Rhaegar is so strong. If he actually believes that Griff is Rhaegar's son and he thought so highly of Rhaegar, that may be enough with maybe seeing too much Ares and Danny for him to abandon her cause, depending on how the Battle of Fire goes, basically. I mean, this is assuming he gets out of the Battle of Fire. Um, we'll see about that one. Barristan Turncloak is definitely interesting. There is something there, but I don't know. We'll see. Yes, everyone can trust Belwas, though. Belwas is the best. Everyone knows Belwas is the best.
I've actually got a, a sticker here on my desk from uh, Girls Gone Canon. It says, uh, Belwas deserve better. And I agree. Belwas is the best. <laughs> T-Baby says, poor Stannis. I hope he finds his real daddy. Um, Stannis is going to find only death. And his burning daughter. Whoops. Sorry about that one, Stannis. Get absolutely wrecked. Um, let's go back to Patreon. Eric F. Lee, he left, he left me a few questions. So, um, he asks, do you think Edric will ever interact with Davos again? Um, this is something I was trying to think about. This really depends on exactly how long you think Griff's reign and by extension, Edric will last in Westeros. Um, a lot of people, myself included, think that um, Aegon's conquest, his Griff's conquest, will not last very long. There's a lot of hints that Cersei is going to light some wildfire. Um, if he actually succeeds in taking King's Landing, he might get the Marjorie treatment. Um, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't seem like his whatever his reign is will last very long. So. If Edric comes to Westeros and is essentially makes himself part of of Griff's organization, if he makes if he swears fealty to him, if he allows the legitimization, if he rules as his Lord Paramount from the Stormlands, um, would he, would Edric be there maybe for some sort of coronation in King's Landing that Cersei lights? Would he be there for the conquest of King's Landing, or if you think? There, there are people that think that Danny is going to attack King's Landing and accidentally light the wildfire herself and in an attack on Griff uh, if he takes King's Landing first, which it looks like he will. If Edric's there, um, there's a good chance that he doesn't make it out of this because. Um, I mean, if the city goes up and Edric's there, he's dead, too. But even if he's not, if he if he is used by Connington to take Storm's End, stays in Storm's End while Griff goes to King's Landing, what will Danny think about uh, a child of Robert Baratheon? What what would she think about his bastard child still ruling in the Stormlands, especially one that is sworn to, who is now effectively her enemy in Young Griff? Um, she really doesn't like Robert Baratheon. Uh, she, her hatred of the Baratheons as the usurpers extends even to people like Ned Stark, where um, she's much more vengeful. Well, she's internally much more vengeful in the books towards these characters, even as um, people are trying to talk her down from it. She has sort of swallowed this logic from Viserys whole that um she still kind of thinks Ares is a good guy, um, that he was unfairly usurped, that it was all that the Brathians are evil. So her, her reaction to Edric will be something interesting to think about. I, it, it's unlike, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what she will think about him. Will she see like an, an innocent who is thrown across the world, who um, had no part in her, in his father, and what her and what his father did to hers or 
uh, will she see him the way that um, that Stannis did, where when Stannis looks at Edric, he sees Robert. And when he looks at Renly, he sees Robert and he, they, they cannot be separated. Um, the, so, yeah, def, I think um, Griff and Edric are be- definitely placed interestingly against Danny's eventual conquest of Westeros as how will she react to these things? Um, will she see them as betrayals? Will she see them as treason? Will she see them as potential allies? Um, it's unclear, but whatever it is, Edric is definitely in danger if he becomes the Lord of Storms and before Danny comes, uh, either from the wildfire, either from the Lannisters, or maybe um, Danny. It. Pro- <laughs> I don't know how it's. I don't know how it's going to go, but I think most people think that. Um, Griff's reign will not last very long. <laughs> Let's grab something from the chat. Uh, let me scroll up a little bit. Oh yeah, 135 likes, 230 people watching. Thanks guys. Those likes actually do matter. It helps with um, discovery from the YouTube algorithm. Um, <laughs> a question here from Eli. What do you think about the idea that John Con will use the Golden Company's flag and its similarities to the Golden Stag flag for the deception to deceive Storm's End? Um, uh, I, I don't know. It, it does make some sense that what for the Golden Company to disguise themselves as the Golden Company or to disguise themselves as Stannis' men to pull like a, a Trojan horse idea and use that to get themselves into the garrison. But the garrison's under siege already. They're already like super suspicious of everybody. And uh, I don't know. I think it I think it makes more sense, especially because um somebody I forget who Somebody, I think it was on Reddit, made the point, maybe YouTube, somebody made the point that George um, sort of let Edric Storm go for a while in A Feast for Crows, but in Dance with Dragons, Davos starts thinking about him again. He starts, um, he starts bringing the character back up that, that when George starts doing this, this is usually an indication that he's going to bring somebody back into the story that has been off page for a while, that essentially he's using... Davos thinking about Edric as reminding the audience like, oh, yeah, this kid exists. Where is he? Oh, he's in the step zones and he's in less. It's even in the uh, the appendix. So. Um, so I, t- I tend to think that might be more. It's, it's not that trying to pretend to be Stannis' troops doesn't make sense, but if he's bringing up Edric again and they're all, he's done all this groundwork with this character in a, a Clash of Kings and a Storm of Swords, even with Renly's ghost, and that he's specifically left in place in his story, Renly's men, like, I, I don't know. I find that a little bit more convincing that... Um, that the point is Edric is going to be the key to Storm's End and not a um not that kind of trickery. Um oh Eli has a follow-up. He says, with Edric at the head of the column, this would add the confusion. Yeah, definitely. Um 
some people started writing uh, comments on, on the video where they were like, okay, so this is how they interact with Mathis Rowan's siege, and this is how the garrison will react. Yeah, th- there's it will be more complicated than Edric shows up and the door is open. It's um, I just think Edric is the way that George is planning to um to reintroduce the Baratheons into the story after he basically killed all of them at this point. Um, actually, this is a good point. Uh, Mon Mary one says Edric suffered the year gap. Uh, Edric would be one of the characters that would have benefited greatly from a five year gap. The, um, if you guys don't know what that is after a storm of swords, George was going to skip the narrative ahead five years instead of continuing from where it was at the end of the story. Like it goes relatively chronologically. He's going to put a big gap there and Edric being 13 at this time, he would show up as 17 or 18. So, as far as George is concerned, that's an adult and he would look a lot more like Robert. He would probably be trained in combat more, um, be a full grown person. And that could be a character that you would, you would want to use in order to, um, make this big reintroduction or Baratheon light kind of thing. Yeah. Be a big, strong boy says luminous rain. Um, see here oh yeah oh so this was a a comment from youtube that i thought was really good uh julian weiss said would be really funny that the supposed son of rhaegar and the basher of robert end up working together there'd be a symbol there would be a symbolic of national reconciliation reconciliation between the pro robert and the pro targaryen factions um that would that would surely also be beneficial to Aegon's cause until Daenerys comes crashing down. That is, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. The politically, why you would want to do this. Um, there are still Targaryen loyalists out there. There are still people upset about the Baratheon usurpation. Um, and having these two families come back together and essentially end that feud, these two major families and power structures would be something that, um, something that Varys would be very interested in, especially after the war of the five Kings and the devastation that's happening, showing that Aegon is not only a conqueror, but also somebody that can make peace. Somebody that can make peace even with a Baratheon is something that would be, um, Something that would be very powerful as a political symbol and kind of like almost a campaign idea behind it. Like if this was an election in modern times, you could see it as in like you could see it like Griff. He makes friends even with the Baratheons. He can make enemies. He can make friends out of enemies, that kind of thing. Oh, I see in the chat. I was um, while I was on a roll. I missed it. We apparently got to 150 likes. All right, so Gandalf hat time. So he's not gonna be wearing it for an hour. That hat gets hot. One second.
I don't even know why I put in the headphones. I can't hear anything. I don't have like, I'm not listening to my own voice. I'm not listening to music. I can't hear the stream. I just put in these headphones every time. I don't know why I do it. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, <laughs> uh, so what did I say? 175 we'll put on the Grim Hat? Yeah, get to 175 likes. Well, we got 232 people watching right now, so that's only 20. I don't, I, I don't have a turtle pin for it yet, though, but maybe I'll get one. See who um, see who sells a Gurm turtle pin or something like that. Also, if you guys like this hat, uh, me and uh, San Richie and our Mallory are working on a redesign for the channel. And look out for this one. It's going to be um, we're going to be moving away from the creepy, angry tree with swords around it and a wolf flying over it. <laughs> I cannot grow a, a Gandalf beard, though. I grow a terrible stubble that does not become a beard. This <laughs> Justin Curl asks, does it count if I hit like multiple times? No. Uh, Alicia Kingston wants to know if I'm going to sell hat merch. Um, you know, I was thinking about that um, with the with the rebranding and the new stuff like that, like there is an option in YouTube where you can, um, where they will sell stuff for you. I don't know, but I, I have to look at the details and like what kind of, um, what kind of quality it is, if that's a worthwhile product, that kind of thing. I know some other people do it like uh, alt shift X has some, um, I think Indie geek has it enabled in his channel. I don't know. I, I have to investigate it more, but um definitely going to be updating the the icon and like the artwork around the channel and that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe that's something we could do if there's uh, yeah, it's Teespring. I think it's Teespring on the underneath. So if there's interest for that, that's something um, that uh, we'd probably be able to do. That was one thing that kind of kept me from it, other than just being kind of like my channel's not that big. But also that the icon I have right now doesn't work super great for printing on stuff. There's too many like small details. And like even the shirt I'm wearing, I'm wearing an Air Nomad shirt. This is doesn't have that much fine work, but over time it's kind of worn off. So you kind of have to think about in terms of how things will hold up over time if it's a good product. Um, sorry, that was a weird um <laughs> that was a weird divergence into my channel planning talk. Um, if you can't tell, I overthink everything. Wear and tear on uh, merch is really bad. So many of my shirts just basically don't have anything left on them, even after only a year or two. So it's hard to find a good vendor. Uh, so let's go back to, you know, like the point of the stream and Edric Storm and uh, Young Griff and all that other kind of stuff. Um, so let's grab. Oh, so I finished the Julian Weiss part. Yeah, I, again, I think that's a really good point that the connection between the reconciliation of the Targaryens and the Baratheons would be something that the Lords of Westeros would look at 
positively as they're deciding like as they're looking at cersei and she's tearing apart the realm and making enemies left and right and you see griff show up and he's doing such a good job of like making these minimum blood bloody conquests and also making um friends of enemies it that's very easy to spin uh so let's see here Oh, this is something um, that a few people brought up that I thought was a really good point, and I felt foolish for not thinking about it when I was making the video. Uh, this kind of is a big problem with it that I'll have to think about more and may end up shooting it down, even though I like the theory. Uh, this is from uh, the Reddit user NoobSmoke92, <clears throat> and he, or they say, I have to make sure not to gender them. Sorry. Nude Smoke 92. They say, I like your theory, but didn't John Connington mention in his POV that he will end Robert's line once and for all? I do not think he would want to install Edric as the new Lord Baratheon of Storm's End. I think Edric is a story tool for Danny, not Aegon. When she comes to Westeros, she will have several noble exiles on her own in her team. She'll definitely pass by lists on her way to Westeros. Majority of the Stormlands will probably be under Aegon and Jaycon's control by Danny's arrival. So to sway storm lords on her side, she'll need Etric. Um, oh, I'll see you later, Alicia. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by. Um, so this is this is a really good point. This is something I didn't really think about enough, unfortunately. And it's the fact that when I said Danny doesn't like the Baratheons, that is nothing compared to how little uh, John Connington thinks of the Baratheons and anyone connected to Robert Baratheon. Um, he does he does make that point where he's like i will end their line i will be tywin when i wasn't before that kind of stuff um so that creates a problem essentially if would connington on his own be willing to reseat a child of robert baratheon when he hates him so much um yeah it's 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 a tough one how would he be willing to do it um would he I think the the question ends up being I had a back and forth with them and they ended up coming to this point that's like maybe he will only temporarily. Maybe he'd be willing to use Edric to get Storm's End with no intention of um keeping him there. And also um Connington is he wants to, he wants to be the the uh, decision maker on all of Aegon's or Griff's conquest. And he wants to be the guy in charge, but he's in some ways he's really not um, homeless. Harry Strickland and the golden company do not obey him. Essentially, neither do Varys and Illyrio. He is more. Um, he's more. Uh, what is it like? Um, like small council. He's not the, he's not the decision maker. Um, so if, if they, if Varys and Illyrio and homeless Harry Strickland have acquired Edric and he's an option, I, th I think Connington would still use it in order to take Storm's end. And then, I don't know, maybe, maybe try and kill Edric. Um, but yeah, it, it is a problem how much uh, Connington really does hate Robert Baratheon. Um, <laughs> uh, 
every once in a while when you make these kind of theories and you put them out there and people start watching, they start listening. And then somebody comes out with like this, that perfect critique. And it's like, fuck, that is a really good point. Um, could that be written around? Um, I'm not really sure. Um, I do like their points, especially that maybe Edric would be more tool for Danny than um, than Griffin Connington. Um, although she really she has the same problems with him that Connington does. So it's not really it doesn't really solve the issue and more. It just pushes it to another character. Um, oh, uh, super chat here from Amanda from an Sweden Lance $20 for the turtle pin. I guess I'm going to look this up now. I guess I'm going to have to buy a turtle pin to put on my germ hat. Do I have to do I have to get a fake beard, too? Is that what I have to do? <clears throat> but yeah, really good comment from Noob Snoke. Um, wish I had thought about that one. Oh, good. Nessie has already found one on Amazon. <laughs> Is there already a, a germ turtle pen? Cool. That's that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I just can't grow a beard. That's just not happening. Um, let's see your question from actually I, I teased this early on from Bell Rider. Do you think John Khan and the Golden Company will fight Mace Tyrell before taking Storm's End or defend the castle against them? Um th that is a that's a good practical question about what exactly is going to happen once Connington and the Golden Company roll up on Storm's End. Um, uh, I believe Mace Tyrell, along with Mathis Rowan, have put up a, a siege around the castle while Loras is trying to take Dragonstone. Um, if I had to guess, Mace is so invested in Marjorie and Tommen that he that he would put up a fight if the Golden Company showed up. And that doesn't seem to work with the idea that Connington wants to do something by guile. I tend to think that um, if they're going to sneak Edric in to take the castle, that they're going to do it via um, Davos's method, that um, they're going to sneak into the uh, portcullis on the underside where Davos uh, snuck through the onions and also Melisandre. They're going to see Edric through the murder holes and they're going to make their... Um, they're going to make their pitch to the storms and garrison right then and there that um, they're going to say, look, we have Edric open the gates. Um, and we'll return Edric storm to you. You guys, all you have to do is swear fealty to young Griff. We'll help you lift the siege. Perfect. I think that's um, I think that's probably the way it will end up going. Um, Especially because the the Golden Company is kind of just spread out at the moment. I don't know if they're if they're really up to or if they want to spend their troops assaulting uh, Mace Tyrell initially when they don't even have the castle. I think they would rather get the castle first and then use that to rout the um, the Reachmen. Yeah, good question, Barrel Rider. Um, 
not something I super went into in the video, like the logistics of how that situation would work out, where they go, how are they actually going to get by the siege, all that other kind of stuff. But I, I think it's a really good question and one that George will probably um, will be figuring out. Um. Oh, since uh, since you guys are bringing up the the turtle pin, um, Sasuke says, "Nice Nessie, I have to join the Patreon now to help <laughs> help the turtle pin fund." Yeah, uh, I have a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Joe Magician. Um, if you sign up at the five dollar level, you get access to our pa my Patreon Slack. Uh, you get access to the videos early. For instance, uh, my ten dollars and up patrons saw it a day early. The twenty dollars and up ones saw it two days early. They also got to see the uh, they got to hear the audio first if they chose to. They have access to the document I'm reading. Usually, it's more involved than this. I just kind of posted a bunch of questions this time, but they have it. Um, and we actually just passed a patron goal. Um, <laughs> We passed 40, 50 patrons, which means I'll be doing a patron-only episode talking about Beat House Man. Yeah, that, that's going to be a blast. But I think I'm going to use that as sort of a jumping off point, and I'll start doing... I'm going to think I'm going to start doing uh, patron-only episodes talking about Germ's other work, where we'll just do... Um, I'll just go through them. They're usually pretty short. You can talk about them in terms of their value on their own, what they tell you about George, uh, any sort of connections with Song of Ice and Fire, because he tends to reuse quite a lot of um, his ideas and characters. Like his first story, well, one of his first stories is um, called A Song for Leah, where characters named Rob and I think essentially Liana um, interact with an alien space fungus. But, but like Barrison the Bold has been in a bunch of his stories in different forms. He just keeps reusing stuff. He's a pack rat. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to see in his old stories. Um, all right. So let's grab another question. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lady Leaf. Uh, Turtle pin is good, but Gurm's hat that's bigger. Yeah, I have a big head. Uh, hey, uh, Marsha and Lokan, how's it going? Let's grab another one from Patreon. Um, Eric F also asked, and this is something I've, I've been seeing in the chat when you guys are talking. Um, what do you, where do you think uh, Grayscale comes into play after capturing King's Landing? So this is, I brought this up briefly in the video, but this is a very big problem for um, Griff's conquest, in particular John Connington, that um, in the show, Jorah got Grayscale. And they kind of solved it very quickly. But um, in the books, it is this character, John Connington, who has ended up with Grayscale and he's been hiding it. Um, and the question is, how's that going to come into play? Uh, some people have thought about it, that maybe this will be the start of a plague coming to Westeros. Um, that it's been hinted for quite a while that George wants grayscale or the gray plague to essentially show back up in Westeros. Um, Connington bringing it from Essos is kind of a perfect vector for it. Um, I, it's unclear how it's going to come into play. Like, will it infect King's landing? Cause not everybody gets it. 
You know, it's not like you grab his arm and then you have grayscale. There's some, there seems to be some sort of weird transmission properties to the disease. Uh, it's hinted at in the books that the shrouded Lord decides who gets it. Um, but it essentially puts a ticking clock on Connington where it's going up his arm now. And, uh, if it overwhelms him, what will that do? We know that from, uh, unfortunately from Euron's example that, um, essentially what it, it gets you to the point where you can no longer move. And Euron took his, I think his half brother who was overcome by grayscale and just pinched his nose and killed him that way. So Connington is basically on a race to put Griff on the iron throne before that happens, which means it's, it's really pushing him forwards in troubling ways. Like how far will he go? How brutal will his tactics get? What will he do to take King's landing before it overwhelms him or before he needs to cut off his arm? Basically. Um, it's also going to come into play again. Like will people be infected by it? Will this, will this link Griff's conquest to the rise of grayscale? <clears throat> And unfortunately, with the current times, uh, maybe Gurm is going to play that up as he as that continues to be a problem in the real world. Uh, super chat here from uh, Lathan Kyle 22. How will Aryan's arrival to Storm's End affect the plot? And will Aegon marry her? I did touch on um, Aryan and the Dornish relationship to, to Griff and Danny early on. But Aryan's arrival to Storm's End is very, very important for um for Griffin, the Golden Company, and Varys, because the Dornish have essentially kept themselves out of the War of the Five Kings. Um, the promise of the Dornish spears, especially as maybe a tool against the Reach, is very, very important. Getting a Lord Paramount on their side um, is just a massive deal. Especially when some of them are basically out of the picture, like the Starks are out of power in the north. The Boltons are too far away to help King's Landing. Um, the Vale is again also probably too far away to make a difference. Um, they're also in a period of upheaval with um, Lysa Aaron dying and the Lord's Declarant. It's unclear if the if they would even send anybody to go help King's Landing uh, if Griff shows up. Um, so, and the Western lands are definitely going to stay loyal to the Iron Throne. But if you have the Stormlands and you have the, and you have Dorne, and you can use them to attack and cut off the reach from getting back to King's Landing in time, that could be a very important tool for them to, um, to essentially have a quick conquest of King's Landing and try and crown Aegon or Griff before Danny shows up. And that, like I said, with the, the grayscale being a timer essentially on, um, on Connington, Danny's a timer on Griff, whatever they're going to do, they need to do it before Danny, um, gets her forces, uh, onto ships. It seems like she's going to use the volunteer, um, the volunteer ships most likely. Um, and sail west 
uh, maybe with the whatever's left over the Iron Fleet. So, yeah, Arianne, um, and it's uh, she's also there not only to just marry Griff, but she's also there to evaluate if he's real. Um, it is on her opinion of Griff that Doran will make his decisions. If he, if she's convinced he's real, if she's convinced he's actually Rhaegar's son, or if you want to put this more uh, schemer wise, if she's convinced she's better off believing that Griff is Rhaegar's son, then there's a very good chance that she will commit Dorne to come on the side of Griff in this war and not wait for Danny, not wait for the dragons. So yeah, it's it's super important, especially also as is noted. Um, I think I wrote a theory a while back that Darkstar will um, is probably going to ally himself with Ariane and Young Griff. Um, for a while, there's been a rift between Western and Eastern Dorne. Griff has the possibility to essentially unite them by um, by trying to empower Darkstar as his to essentially put the Danes and the, I think they're the stony Dornish into the war where they've been basically holding out from everything. <coughs> oh, Hey, uh, spirit girl SF. Uh, thank you. Welcome to the channel. Yep. Yeah. Glad you glad it popped up on your, um, on your, um, recommendations doing a uh, a Q&A on my last video. <clears throat> All right, let's grab something from the chat here. <laughs> Actually, you know that I talked about Darkstar. This probably means Sandrixian is going to show up in like the next two minutes and be like, oh, did somebody talk about my my emo Darkstar Prince? Oh, my God. I'm sure that's going to get clipped and sent to her, too. <laughs> Um, so Isabel, uh, Isabel Lamego says, do you think Storm's End will feature throughout the whole book or the characters will move or move around a lot quicker in the winds of winter? Um, so if we think about the POVs that are going to be there for Storm's End, um, we're going to see Connington's definitely going to show us how they're going to take Storm's End. Um, Ariane showing up there. I believe, though, that they will not stay. That um, that they're going to move on from the Stormlands and um, and Storm's End pretty quickly after taking it. Because, like I said, Connington is on two different clocks: one against Danny, one against his Grayscale. So they need to make this a fast, effective war. They need to go to King's Landing and take it as fast as they can. Uh, which again, or in waters may be in a position to help, uh, providing a fleet to take Blackwater Bay, which Stannis could not this time though, knowing about the chain and the wildfire. Well, hopefully the wildfire has gone. I don't know if they're out of it, but, um, that'll be interesting. Um, Arianne, I actually, that's, that's kind of interesting. Normally George does not have multiple POVs in the same place, except for like King's Landing. He likes to split them up. Um, so Connington will be with Griff and Ariane's going to be with Griff. Um, so I guess they're both going to head towards King's Landing to see the the conquest of the city. Um, 
And if Edric's left behind in Storm's End, I think that will probably be the last we see of the um, of Storm's End until Danny arrives. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it'll probably be in like the first quarter of the book. We're going to see quite a lot of of Storm's End, and then they're going to quickly try to get the loyalty of whoever's left in in the stormlands at this point and immediately march with the golden company that would be my understanding of what's going to happen <clears throat> uh okay let's grab another one um oh uh this is sort of a random question but Okay. Uh, Marty Davidson says, when Bran works into Hodor, who do you think feels the pain when something hurts Hodor? Um, Bran, I think. Well, we haven't actually seen... Well, hang on. They both do. Because we've seen the perspective of Summer and Ghost while they're being warged by Bran and Jon. And it's, it's sort of a merging of consciousness kind of thing. So I'm guessing that um, I think they both experience at the same time. It's just that um, it's that, that the uh, the warg or the skin changer is more in control, I guess. Um, although, actually, I'm not really sure, because even when we see it from, saw it from Summer's perspective, that was from Bran's perspective of warging Summer. I don't know if we've actually seen skin changing from the perspective of the person that's losing their body the closest is thistle and she was super unhappy about it um hmm. uh, george has written that though like i was talking about uh, with his other stories he definitely has written about what it's like to be um skin changed by somebody else he's used this concept many times before uh particularly the pear-shaped man where um the protagonist feels uh, spoilers for pear shaped man it involves skin changing. The protagonist feels her body losing it to, um, to the pear shaped man. And it's unpleasant to say the least. Um, when brand describes how Hodor experiences it, he says that he curls up into a little ball in his head and hidden somewhere deep down that brand can't get to. So, um, yeah, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. Uh, uh, this is a, this is one of the things that comes up a lot when people talk about, uh, Griffin, Danny, uh, Carl Karsnack says, I can see one of Danny's dragons killing, rejecting, uh, Griff as an imposter, as a means for eliminating him in a blameless fashion. <clears throat> yes, this is something that has come up many times before that, um, that there's this conception that you can tell a real Targaryen from a false one because of how the dragons essentially react to them. <clears throat> Sorry, voice got a little dry there. Um, that the dragons know, essentially. Um, that happened during the Dance of the Dragons when they did essentially like an open call. Anybody that could ride a dragon, come try it out. Quite a lot of people died. Um, but essentially they treated it in terms of if the dragons accept you then you're trueborn 
Um, unclear how how true that is. Like, for instance, there's the example of Nettles, who um, supposedly tamed a dragon by feeding it sheep. She uh, tamed sheep stealer. Um, so it may not be a hard and fast rule. Uh, in the show, they played this up when John um, approached Drogon and he gave him scratches on his nuzzle and Drogon smelled him and looked at him. And that seemed to be kind of that was used narratively to tell you that um, John is a Targaryen, that the dragons recognized him somehow. Um, there have been jokes like, what did they like smell John's spicy blood or something like that? Um, it's not, it's not impossible. Animals, um, can definitely tell gen, uh, genetic things about people, um, <clears throat> that we cannot detect. For instance, um, there's actually been weird, there's been tests that's shown that um, dogs can be trained to smell cancer on people. That, um, who knows what it really is. Um, so to get back to this point, how, what will happen when Griff interacts with the dragon? Um, I think a lot of people are in the assumption that Griff will probably try and steal one of the dragons. Most people think the Viserion, um, given the the name Viserys and um, the connections to betrayals that Danny felt at the real person she named the dragon after. Um, if it, it, it kind of goes both ways. Um, there's so many ways for Griff to die. There's so many ways for him to bite it. A dragon killing him would be an easy narrative within the universe that even if we know it's not exactly 100% true, they can say, well, the dragon rejected him. Obviously, he wasn't real. <clears throat> um, although if he steals a dragon, then that can go the other way and they can claim, well, look, he has a dragon. He must be real. <clears throat> so uh, it, whatever whatever happens it'll essentially be used as a narrative for that side if he dies by the dragons Danny's side can say um look he wasn't real if he takes a dragon then griff's side can say well look he is real he has a dragon um it would be it would be narratively powerful if that's how Griff dies. If everyone's questioning if he's a real dragon, the dragons kill him. Well, okay, that makes sense. Oh, uh, Disputed Lands or Amanda. Um, she's got to go. Um, I'll see you later, Amanda. Uh, guys, you can go check out her latest video. She was talking about Azora High and um, prophecy and the truth behind it, kind of looking at some assumptions about the... Um, and the details about the the truth of those prophecies, what they mean, what they actually say, all that kind of stuff. It's a really good video. Um, if somebody, one of the mods could grab it and put it in the chat. <clears throat> um, anime lover uh, says, I think you'll die like Rhaenyra, eaten by Drogon. Yeah, that's a, that could be the future. Like I, I made the argument in my video that fire and blood in part has been used by George maybe as a draft for things that are going to come later. So 
yeah if you have one targaryen being eaten on dragonstone by by a dragon maybe that'll happen again um oh, you guys are talking about the um dogs being trained to smell diseases yeah that's a that's a thing um there's also been tests that this is actually something i've read about before it's kind of a sciencey thing that um essentially part of the ways that people and animals choose partners is that somehow with the smells they give off you can tell your your body can interpret the smells in terms of differences in immune systems and genetic diversity and the more those are different your body interprets as attraction so like that could be something george is going to play with it's weird our bodies are weird so is our so are animals so are dragons If that's a real thing, then the dragons would just recognize whatever the genetics are. Um, bomb smithing bees? No, I haven't heard about that, Kitty Kramer. Um, oh, there was a question earlier up. Hang on. Something about the Witcher. I kind of scroll by it. I am not going to try and pronounce that name. <laughs> I am going to butcher the hell out of that one. We're going to call you Angie. Uh, she wanted to know if I uh, watched the Witcher, watched the watch the Witcher, and have read it. I did watch uh, the Witcher season one. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a little scattered. Um, although when you when I went to go read the the first book, um, I can see why it's a bunch of short stories that were kind of. Um, tried to pull together into a narrative. The timeline stuff also bothered me, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, I have uh, Baptism of Fire, The Time of Content, and Blood of Elves on my shelf. I picked them up when quarantine started. I haven't gotten to them yet, but I'm planning to. It was good enough uh, to intrigue me to read more. Oh yeah, what well, people are talking about in the chat for likes. If I get to 175 likes, I'm going to put on my Gurm hat. Which is sitting right behind me. It's a little um, little cab hat. So if that's something you're interested in, that was the time. <laughs> um, let's grab another one from the questions I pre-selected. Um, Oh yeah, Luminous Rain put this question on the YouTube chat that I thought was funny. John Con as a shadow baby is my new favorite tinfoil. I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. I tried to put a few more jokes into this. A lot of my videos are pretty melodramatic. Um, and not just kind of like very serious, but you guys can see me on stream or when I'm playing Crusader Kings 2 that, um, you know, it's not always how I'm like. So I was trying to put that in a little bit more. I was trying to put in, um, yeah, John Connington with a shadow baby, Guile from Street Fighter, Assaulting Storms End, all that other kind of stuff. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed that one, though. The little funny jokes I put in to amuse myself. <laughs> um, am I going to Ice and Fire Con for Halloween? I am not. A money crunch situation. So, do not have the money to go. And I don't really want to go to any conventions for quite a while because of, uh, you know, the COVID stuff. I, I'm not going to feel safe to go to... Um, highly crowded places for a long time. 
Apparently, Jaded Redhead really wants to see me put on that Gurm hat. Aziz is braver than I. I know my limitations. I'm not going to try. I'm already bad enough at pronouncing English words or word, like names in English. And like, apparently I can't pronounce Edric or Edric. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do well with Polish names. Ah, okay. So that just happened. All right. Get to see my wizard hat hair. There we go. It's kind of like a train conductor's hat or something, or like a cabbie hat or something. I don't know. It looks kind of ridiculous on my head, but sure. My germ hat. Put that on for the last 15 minutes here. Uh, God damn it. Next time, I'm going to have to raise the light cap <laughs> so that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tiny little hat on my huge head. And actually, it's worse because of my quarantine hair, because now I've got like. I've got hockey hair going. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, this was something I didn't really, I didn't talk about at all. And I didn't really think about, but I thought it was a good comment, uh, from YouTube. Uh, Hendrik Lipka says, um, they said great video, but I'm more interested in what will happen after. Essentially they, they put in a long comment about what will Euron and Victorian do with, um, with Storm's End, um, especially with Victorian in Slaver's Bay at the moment. Um, they made some comparisons to Euron and the Storm Gods and um, how it seems to be playing up the imagery. So I am not one of those people that thinks Euron is, has followed uh, Victorian. As far as we know, he's in the Reach. Um, that's the last place we saw him. He was on the Shield Islands um, and in the Forsaken uh, from the Winds of Winter. He is absolutely not in the uh, in Slaver's Bay. So, so the only Greyjoy that is going to interact with the East Coast probably for quite some time will be Victorian if he survives the Battle of Fire. Um, he's he's he really wants to blow that dragon horn and. Um, <clears throat> He may end up being a tasty treat for one of Danny's dragons. Um, Victoria, I don't think he's going to make it out of there alive. Um, I, I would guess that after Edric takes it, that if he is alive, no one else is going to take Storm's End for the rest of the um, for the rest of the books. That essentially we're going to go that the timeline is going to be. Um, so Griff's conquest takes the Stormlands, takes King's Landing. Danny shows up. Some weird stuff happens there with Cersei, Griff, and Danny. <clears throat> and at that point, the others will have probably broken down the wall and started their invasion. And all the attention's going to go north. And then we're going to get that plot line. Um,
I don't think they're going to follow them. I don't think Georgia's going to follow the model that season eight did that the invasion of the others occurred before Danny taking King's Landing. I tend to think it'll be flipped, especially because Griff is there. But um, whatever that timing is, I, I don't think anybody's taking Storm's End um, from Edric. If he loses it, um, it will be because Danny took it from him, or maybe he dies in battle. Um, there's been quite a lot of uh, speculation for years before season eight did it that Gendry um, and his connection to the Starks may end up serving him well. That maybe he's ended up legitimized and made the Lord of Storms end. Um, if Edric dies, that's a way for that to happen. Um, and there's actually something I didn't talk about too much during the stream, but Mia Stone. Um, so she's Robert's other legitimized bastard. She's up in the veil, and everybody knows she's Robert's legitimized bastard. So uh, when you're talking about characters like Littlefinger and you're talking about, um, uh, what's his name? Jan Royce in terms of this, this kind of the openness of the Stormlands right now that the, the Lord of the Stormlands and Stannis has abandoned it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Acknowledged, not legitimized. Yes. Um, when you're talking about how there's no current ruler there, that the current ruler is off outside Winterfell being snowed in, um, you can't overlook that while Varys and Illyrio are probably going to look at Edric Storm, Littlefinger's probably looking at Mia Stone as somebody that they could might they might want to try and um, seat as the Lady of Storms and make her a Baratheon, marry her to some lackey of theirs, and use that to um, to take Storms End. It's actually kind of a a great bastard situation. Um, People before have obviously made the connections between Aegon the Fourth and Robert. The huge amount of bastards, um, the questioning of their of their trueborn children, particularly Daron the Second. Um, it's it was complicated with Aegon in that the there was no the 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 seed is strong situation where um, Daron looked Targaryen. So. Well, nobody was quite sure where he was coming up with the idea that they were bastard, that he was a bastard. But in this situation, even without Robert legitimizing them, people are going to, people already know that the Lannister children are not Baratheons. So with, with them essentially non claimants in the view of probably quite a lot of Lords of Westeros at this point, um, if Cersei and the Lannister power structure starts falling, Mia Stone and Edric Storm are, absolutely going to rock it up in terms of political value for marriages um gendry too um anime lover nicole says meadling corbray so he gets money in land yeah that could work um littlefinger and lords of the veil are protective of Harry the heir, but they're also protective of mia where she's been prevented from marrying michael redfort um you have to you have to assume that that was done to prevent her from being taken off the table to allow the red forts to claim it. Um, there's too many smart and powerful people in the veil to let Robert's oldest child who everyone knows is actually his, um, be given to the red forts. I don't think that plot will come up though. I don't think we're going to see like a, a black fire rebellion essentially for storm's end. Uh, I'm pretty sure Edric will be the one to be given it. 
um, by Griff. But if he doesn't end up holding it, then yeah, there's there will be definitely be some kind of scrambling um, in run up to the other's invasion. And maybe afterwards, after the enormous loss of life, that's likely going to happen that in normal times, these great bastards of Robert and um, and Edric and Mia and also Gendry, for those who knows he's Robert's kid. Um, there probably will be some political angling to figure out who ends up in control of that castle. And um, I'm also interested in terms of these, of the uh, Robert's bastards, which ones end up going North. Um, Edric seems like the kind of person that would absolutely want to put on the antlered helm, grab a war hammer and ride North to fight the others. That seems like exactly the kind of person he is. Um, Mia as well has a um, kind of has like a strong sense of duty and she's a very capable person. Um, if the Vale Knights go north, is she going with them? I would imagine that maybe the Royces and Littlefinger would want her to stay behind as a backup plan, but you may not be able to stop her. Um, after she lost Michael Redfort, um, she may feel like her place her ability to have an impact in the world will be north to fight the Boltons, to fight against um, maybe the others themselves. And Gendry, of course, um, he seems very likely that he's going to end up doing some version of his show plot. Um, I'm uncertain if he will get the legitimization and the um, and Storm's End at the end of the story, but I think definitely he's going to find it in himself to want to go north um also animated lover nicole also brings up that um mia will go with sansa yeah that's that's possible there's um some maybe mia will be like the scarlet shadow for sansa after seeing because she's not like particularly happy with her role <laughs> where she's um essentially being the donkey guide up to the to the eerie and back like she wanted something else for herself she was marrying michael redfort would have um gotten her out of that role um following sansa and the veil knights north to fight the Boltons on the others, I think would, I think that's probably in character with her. We may end up in a situation where all, all of Robert's bastards that we know of, except for Bella, will, might end up in the war for the dawn. Ah, so we got about five minutes left here. Um, last call for questions. Um, throw them in the chat. Let's rapid fire these ones out. And, um, I'll try to answer as many as I can, and then, um, yep, and then we'll call it a stream at four o'clock. All right, so Chris Fine says, um, asks, do you think Danny and Griff would risk support of nobility by raising this many ambassadors? Yes, I do think they will. Um, pushing weak claims at this point will be probably the only way for them to get some of these um lordships on their side especially characters like um like edric and the stormlands um oh aaron uh, with a super chat her 1999 so happy the corn stream is back who is your favorite mythical figure um 
like during God's grief in a song of ice and fire. Um, hmm. Actually, hang on. Let's move that alert box around. Okay. Uh, who is my favorite mythical figure in a song of ice and fire? Hmm. Um, it's tough because we don't really hear a ton about them. Um, favorite. Mm. <laughs> it's a good question. Like during God's grief is fine. There's some interesting stuff about him. The um I make her a good mythical story. Um I'm just gonna hmm. <sighs> Favorite mythical figure. I think it's probably the Night King of the books, not the one in the show, or uh, Garth Greenhand. There's an interesting dichotomy to Garth with his idea of being a death god and the blood sacrifices that are present in old god culture. Um, his connections to nature, which reminds you of Bran in the current. I talked about this um, with Gray Area on her. Uh, we did a recent episode of Obsidian Knights and talked about how Bran is sort of taking this figure as a nature king, that he's making this argument that he's internally, he knows Winterfell and therefore the, the castle and the land better than Rob does. And that connection to to Bran and his future is something that's particularly interesting. Um, but I also like the story of the Night King and what does it mean to worship the others? How did what was the timeline for the Night King taking the Night Fort and his other bride? Did any of that happen? Um, what sort of historical bias are we talking about? Um, and how that story, I, I mostly like how those stories are used in the current timeline. So the, like, how does the Night King of legend relate to Jon Snow now? How does it relate to Stannis? How does it relate to the Night Fort? Um, I like those connections more than the real stories. Um, um, Urias Tosh, what is the point of the Boltons to be mustache twisting bad guys? that the Starks will defeat before um, they get to the real enemy and the others. That's They just kind of serve the point of destroying the North so it can be rebuilt, I think. Um, Adam Datuin? 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 Would Aegon marry Sansa? Um, I'm sure if it was on the table, he would try, but I'm, I don't think that opportunity is going to come up. Um... Let's see here. Uh, Anders Graham says, uh, Griff says he would go west to impress Danny. Why would he marry Ariane? Um, because he needs Dorn more than he needs Danny at the moment. Um, Danny is months away at this point. As far as the narrative is concerned, she hasn't even come back to Marine. Uh, whenever she shows up, 
it will be probably too late for Griff to try and make that marriage pact. And he, after he takes the Stormlands and the Reach and the Westerlands and the Crownlands to send on him, he will need Dorne's spears. Um, and he may be put in a situation where he can't wait for Danny and her dragons, or maybe be uncertain that she would even help him. Um, let's take a few more. Uh, remember that at five o'clock, uh, 5 PM over on radio Westeros, uh, the Davos's fingers will be showing up. I think it's, I forget which one I forget if it's, uh, which member of Davos's fingers is showing up. I think they're talking about a Tyrion chapter. Um, as John being a re resurrected warg, what do you think about him being able to reanimate the dead? Um, I don't think he'll be able to, um, if he does, it will probably be, <clears throat> Something like how Beric Dondarrion raised Catelyn and gave up his life for it. But I don't think John has, I don't think resurrecting as a warg necessarily makes you a necromancer. Um, all right, let's take one or two more. Uh, maybe one more. Yeah, because it's four o'clock. So. Oh, is it Arya? I'm sorry. I, um, I retweeted it quickly. I didn't look at exactly what they were talking about. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it. Um, all the ones I've left on my doc are too involved and yeah. I think that's it. So thanks so much for, um, showing up everybody. Thanks to the, um, those of you that gave like um, super chats, like subscribe. We got to 181 likes. Uh, we, we peaked around 250 viewers. Um, that's really great. Um, if you haven't seen the the video, link is in the description. It's titled um, "How Aegon Will Take Storm's End." Um, look for coming out um, soon. Will be the patron only episode about Meat House Man, George's worst story. Um, and I'm going to put up some polls for patrons and in my slack about what topic I should make a video on next. Yep. So remember an hour from now, radio Westeros goes live, uh, with Davos fingers talking about Aria. Thanks everybody for spending your shout out with me. Um, I can take this hat off now and, uh, go get some more water. So I'll see you all later.